Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 94. I just recently had the opportunity to travel to Berlin, Germany for the Bayer G4A Signing Day event. Now, this was their official launch of the 11 inspiring companies that they've selected as their most recent additions to the G4A family. As you'd expect from any event that was organized by the team at Bayer G4A, there was a lot of energy and a strong focus on innovation and implementation. I'll be bringing you more updates about G4A over the coming weeks, and in fact, we'll be airing a coffee talk that we recorded with Sophie Park following the event. On that, she shared some really interesting things that they did on the G4A program this year that includes the patient voice in their decision-making. I was really impressed by what they did, and I think you'll want to hear about it too. So make sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast player and download the Coffee Talk when it airs after this episode. If you want to learn more about the companies and their most recent G4A cohort, you can find links and details by visiting g4asigningday.com. While I was there in Berlin, I had the opportunity to speak with their keynote speaker for the evening. From the stage, he shared the story behind the success of his company, the impact to people in real and powerful ways, and their focus following their IPO in July of this year. That speaker was none other than Glenn Tallman, the executive chairman and founder of Livongo Health. Unless you've been living under a rock the past few years, you've heard about Livongo and the work they're doing as a consumer-first, digital health company that's committed to empowering people with chronic conditions to live better and healthier lives. Glenn and I spoke about his mission to finding a cure for diabetes and other chronic conditions and to keeping people healthy until those cures are found. Before Livongo, Glenn previously ran two public companies that changed the way healthcare is delivered, and he's also the author of a book entitled On Our Terms, Empowering the New Health Consumer. In that book, he proposes new solutions to address the chronic condition epidemic we're facing. And while he's achieved great success in business, he's also a strong advocate for philanthropic causes. Glenn was honored just this year with a Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Ripple of Hope Award for his career focus on improving the safety, empathy, and efficiency of our healthcare system. He also serves as a chancellor to the International Board of the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation and is a board member of the American Diabetes Association. In addition to all this, Glenn is a father to three amazing children that he says inspire him every day. I was inspired by our conversation, and I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Now, here he is, Glenn Tolman founder and executive chairman of Livongo Health. Glenn, thanks a lot for joining me here on Digital Health Today. I appreciate you taking time here in the uh, the Bear G4A headquarters. Happy to be here. It's yeah. exciting. It's great to be in Berlin. Well, I've wanted to speak to you for a long time, Glenn, because Livongo's been in the headlines for years now. You are in headlines right now because of the announcement that you've just made on Monday, October 7th. So can you tell me a little bit about that announcement, what that really means for the company? Sure. Well, the announcement was our announcement that working with a major carrier, we've actually now taken responsibility for providing diabetes care for 5.5 million government employees, federal government employees. So it's the largest deal in our history. It gives us the opportunity to actually offer as a covered benefit the Livongo diabetes experience to all of those employees. So it's very exciting for us. What's really exciting about it is it's a big step for the company because Livongo became known for selling to large self-insured employers. And then from there, we moved to payers and pharmacy benefit managers. But this is the first major step to the government sector. 
And in particular, what's unique about that is the government sector generally wants a few years of data, proven data, sustainable data, and no one else has that. No one else has ever had that in diabetes. And we're the first ones that they've actually had the confidence to say, we'll now make it a covered benefit. So we gave very clear guidance to the market so they wouldn't overnight say we're going to triple or whatever, but it's very solid growth and it makes our numbers for the next few years look very solid. Excellent. I imagine that now that they've signed on, there'll be other similar sized deals that are going to have more confidence in uh, working with you in these sorts of areas. So that's That's right. It opens up the government and you may know that our new chief executive officer, Zane Burke, came from Cerner, which is the leading electronic health record provider. And while at Cerner, Zane signed the largest veterans administration and government deal in electronic health record history, $17 billion. So Zane brought a lot of government experience with him, and we expect that will be one of many growth areas that we have in the company. Excellent. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the growth that Lavongo's had, but really let's go back to the very beginning because you've had a, a very successful career. You've been president and CEO of several companies before you started Lavongo. You were mm-hmm. uh, our managing partner with Seven Wire Ventures. And normally Seven Wire Ventures invests in Series A. And with Lavongo, you did something completely different. So after having president and CEO titles of much larger organizations like Allscripts, you then decided to start this organization from scratch. So tell me about that drive after such a, a series of successes to, sure. to then go and start something from scratch as opposed to finding someone that was doing it and investing in Series sure. A. Well, I've always been, I've always kind of worn two hats and one is running larger companies, but you know, people always look at the end of the story. In fact, a lot of people have said, well, Lavongo is an overnight success. I said, well, it's an overnight success in five years. And because that's, when we started it five years ago. And it was a hatch. So it was a little different from what we do at Seven Wire Ventures, although we'll occasionally do hatches. We did that in association with General Catalyst, one of the fastest growing and and kind of most successful VC firms originally in Boston, now in Silicon Valley, and with their partner, Hamont Tanasia, who's an, an incredible, incredible entrepreneur and venture capitalist. But if we go back to Allscripts, when I joined Allscripts, and there was a, there's a Harvard Business School case written about this, it was $30 million in revenue, losing 13 with 50 employees. So it itself was a startup. And the first thing I did was sell the only successful part of the business, which was a fledgling PBM, and say, we're going to reinvent this business as first electronic prescribing, then practice management, and eventually electronic health records. So we grew that from $30 million, losing 13 to when I left, $1.4 billion. So again, that was actually, again, people look at the end of the story. And in fact, some people look at the story today, which isn't, you know, unfortunately, it hasn't really grown since I left. In fact, it's actually gone the opposite direction, which is unfortunate because it was a great company. Yeah. And so with Livongo then, what are some of the new learnings or experiences or hiccups and hurdles that you had along the way to get to where you were? We're going to talk about the IPO, but it's a five-year overnight success, as you called it. So what are some of the the big challenges that you've had to overcome during that time? Well, I think the first challenge was, I mentioned that many of my base has always been Chicago. Uh, I grew up in the East Coast, as as we talked about, spent some time in, in England at London School of Economics and Oxford. But 
fundamentally, the last 25 or more years, I'd been in, in the Midwest in Chicago. And for Lavango, I actually co-located and I moved out to Silicon Valley. And I wanted to build a company that was the first consumer-first company in healthcare. And so when Lavango came out, part of the excitement was this is the first consumer digital health company that's actually gone to scale. No one had done that before. But to do that, you had to do something that people hadn't done. You had a lot of great tech companies, and they knew how to sell to consumers. And you had a lot of healthcare companies, and they didn't really understand the consumer or the technology. And the question was, could you put those two cultures together, teach tech how to navigate the very complex healthcare environment, and teach healthcare how to accept technology and focus on the consumer and not use all of its innate processes to kill both of those, uh, which is what healthcare companies have generally been good at. Now, today, we have some great companies out there who are starting to change that. You know, CVS, which is a retail company, but they buy Aetna, and they are fundamentally focused on the health consumer. You have Express Scripts, which is also coming around in a very aggressive way and putting some nice. So those are the two PBMs. Then you have payers, which are now called really health services companies. They're trying to redefine themselves. Some, like Cambia Regions out in the Pacific Northwest, led by Mark Gans, you know, those are companies that are really driving this consumer focus forward. And they're looking to partner with companies like Livongo because together they have scale. We bring this new innovative technology experience. And together, I think we can fundamentally transform healthcare for the better. I agree 100% with everything you said there about the consumer focus that exists out in California and the, the challenges of healthcare adopting this new tech, which traditionally, historically, has been sort of purchased and pushed down on an enterprise level. And now this is being brought in through the door through people who work in that environment and people mm -hmm. who are utilizing the environment, patients, consumers. But why did you choose to focus on diabetes? There's sure. so many different areas where you could have taken on and, and addressed some of these challenges. Why, why diabetes? Well, there's, there's maybe three or four different answers. So one, I think Willie Sutton, the bank robber, they said, why do you rob banks? And he said, that's where the money is. So one answer is there's no faster growing portion of the healthcare spend than chronic conditions. And within chronic conditions, diabetes is the fastest growing part of chronic conditions. So that's one. Type one and type two you're talking about. Really type got, two is where the growth, growth is. is. Type yeah, yeah, one, um, well, let's take in the US of the 32 million, about 2 million, just under 2 million are type one, mm -hmm. 30 million are type two. Right. And that market is growing 500,000 new diagnoses a year. So enormous growth. One out of every two adults in the U.S., 156 million Americans have at least one chronic condition. So this is an epidemic. Right. And, you know, in healthcare, we know how to do heart surgery. And while we could get better at it, more efficient, we could do it more cost effectively, we know how to do it. And what's amazing is you get heart surgery and you're out of the hospital in a week now or less. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. But what we don't know how to do is handle and manage chronic conditions, which are 24 by seven. And so that's really the magic that Livongo has brought. But so one reason is there's a great market, okay? Mm -hmm. There's a second more personal reason. And that is my youngest son, Sam, 
was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was eight years old. He's now 24. He's doing well. But the minute he was diagnosed, I made a commitment to him that I would help to find a cure. And that's a promise I've still met, not yet fulfilled. And every day I wake up and it drives me. And so I fund a lot of research through our family foundation. I'm active on the board of the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation and of the ADA, trying to find a cure. But that involvement showed me how difficult we make it for people with chronic conditions like diabetes to stay healthy. You would think that we'd make it incredibly easy. We would say, okay, here's your medicine, here's your test strips, um, everything about it. We want to keep you healthy. But instead, we put co-pays, we limit the number of strips they get. Every time they turn around, we're making it more difficult. So I said, what would happen if we could flip that, put the person with the chronic condition back in control? Because remember, healthcare today is done to us. You're diagnosed and they say, here's what's going to happen to you. And what everywhere else in the consumer economy, we're increasingly in charge. I want a car outside, put it on my app, it appears. I want something delivered to my house in two hours. I go on Amazon and it appears. I want to contact a high school friend. Maybe I don't. I go on and Facebook and boom, it happens. I want to see somebody's resume, LinkedIn, everything I'm in charge of. I want to book a a ticket on an airline. I can do that right from here, right from my phone. And yet in healthcare, it's the opposite. I want an appointment. Maybe I can get one in a week. Then I go in, I have to wait. It's very inconvenient. I have to go somewhere. We flipped that. We said, what if we made it so your strips magically appeared because we know how many you use? 24 by 7, you could talk to somebody within 60 seconds anywhere in the world. And they knew who you were. And they were really smart about the questions you wanted to ask. And that's how healthcare in the future will be delivered. So that's what we're doing. So number one, great market. Number two, very personal experience that informed me about diabetes. And then number three, as we started to get into it, we realized that 70% of the people who have type 2 diabetes also have hypertension. And a high percentage of those people have diabetes because they have a weight issue. And a lot of those people struggle with mental health issues. So building a platform that, again, made the experience better um, just seemed like the right thing to do. Yep. And it's what all of our customers wanted. And they had never seen it before. And when you look at our members, they love us. They don't just like us. And that's never happened in healthcare before. I agree. I mean, uh, to go back through some of your reasons, uh, diabetes is a huge problem globally. So you just quoted some U.S. statistics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in Europe, even in Asia, parts of the world that we typically don't uh, associate with things like exactly. obesity, the diet is changing, the, the routines are changing, and, and diabetes is on the increase drastically all around the world. So it is a, a really great place to choose to yeah. solve the problem and to address it. We mentioned earlier that we're both from the East Coast. Unfortunately, we have another thing in common where both, uh, I also have a child who was just recently diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I'm glad to hear Sam's doing well. The, the relief, How I, old? Uh, my daughter is now 12. She was diagnosed about uh, 10 months ago. Okay. So she was 11. Um, and I feel for you because I can't imagine what it would have been like, what, 16 years ago uh, mm-hmm. or so when your yeah. son was diagnosed. Because even in the past five, well, it's five years since your company's been around, the technology has changed so much. So I feel not happy about her diagnosis, 
But I feel a sense of relief that people like yourself, other organizations have really upped the game substantially that allow parents who, it's a terrifying thing uh, to, yeah. to have your child go to bed and not know you know, what her levels or his levels are going to be through the night and to be able to manage them when they're in school and things like that. So it's, it's terrifying. So I, I'm really glad that you decided to take that personal mission and we can talk about anything I can do to help you for the second part, which is to actually cure it because there's some really amazing research happening in that area. And it's something that I never appreciated the challenge until I got that diagnosis from that oh, yeah. GP who said, you know, she has to go to the hospital. And when I brought her home, that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was, it was sure. like, what's going to happen? Well, How we do never we slept this? for years. We never slept through the night yeah. ever without imagine. checking. Yeah. And, and again, some of the technology today, which is a beautiful thing. It's amazing. And it's getting better, but it's hard to explain to people. And similarly, we did the calculation recently. My son has pricked his fingers 58 thousand times wow so all his fingers are callous now and then the limitations now one of the things we've really tried to do is we like to say at lavango that if you want to change the world you have to change the words so we never call people a diabetic i hated that when people said your son's a diabetic no he's a he's a kid he's a person and he happens to have diabetes and we're going to fix that and until we do, he's going to do all kinds of other things, sure. just like your daughter. Yeah, absolutely. And can't so, define them by the, the condition. Exactly. And, and so, even we're calling it a condition now. It's not a disease. Right. It's a condition. Right. So can't define and them so, by And so we are going to get there. And in the interim, we have to keep him healthy. But it is also a big mental strain on mm-hmm. not just it's a family disease. It's not just for our children and sometimes our parents who have type 2 and all the people, it impacts everybody around them. So we've tried to build, using technology, this community that says, for example, when my son was in college, when he would check his blood sugar, um, and it would be dangerously low or dangerously high, it would, the device, our device, our Livongo device, would automatically send a text to his care team, which included his roommate. So his roommate would check in on him and say, Sam, do you need anything? You need some fruit juice? And a lot of times... When someone is low or when they're very high, they're not thinking straight. Right. And so just that community, that sense of community, not only improves care, not only builds community, but it reduces cost. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of what we can do in healthcare. Now we've extended that to create that same sense of community around hypertension, around weight management, around behavioral health. I mean, imagine if you're feeling depressed and in today's world, all you can do is call psychologist or psychiatrist and get an appointment two weeks from now. How does that help? I mean, that's almost ridiculous. So with our system, you have the ability right then to talk to somebody. And now all of a sudden, and right then to use a digital app that can actually help you work through the struggles that you're having. So we're trying to turn that rather, again, from a disease into everybody gets coaching. I mean, the best athletes in the world, Michael Jordan had a coach. And you'd say, why does he need a coach? Because we can all be better. And that's all it is. It's all a continuum. Yep, absolutely. I agree entirely. And that's what I find exciting about what Lavongo is doing. Because with diabetes, you had a business model you could fit into. You had strips and meters. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a piece that you would then wrap around it with the additional coaching and support and care teams and communication and the cellular connectivity that you actually built in the device, which still is not very common with, with a lot of meters that are on the market today. Well, there's no other meters in the world that have two-way updatable, over-the-air updatable cellular technology. 
So just like your cell phone, we keep making the software better and yep. no one else can do that. And that's part of turning this into more of a learning device as opposed to a one time you get a number back. Even with CGMs, continuous glucose monitors, the way they work today, it's just a lot of data, but it's not an interactive experience. Right. And that's what your daughter and my son and so many other people want. They want somebody to be their partner, not tell them what to do, not be Entirely. mom or dad, um, but be their partner. Right. And that's what we've their been coach. able to build. Yeah, exactly. uh, system in that way. I'm speaking with Glenn Tolman, the executive chairman and founder of Livongo Health. There's a lot more to come, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this word from one of our sponsors. So with diabetes, you have that business model, and you've been able to create this care system around that. How do you then translate that to the other chronic conditions and mental health aspects and things like that? How do you start to adapt to those business models? That's one of the things we talk about a lot on the show is the need for business model innovation around this so That's that right. people can actually procure the services that are going to help people and keep people healthy and preserve their health and well, that's, avoid Well, I think it's a really important point you're making because too many times what we've done in healthcare is we've said, this is good for someone. And that's important that it's good for someone. And that's always where we start. How's it going to impact our member? The fact that they have to love it and not just like it. And then second, it has to make them better. We yeah. have to be able to prove that. But finally, you can't forget, somebody has to pay for it. And unfortunately, in every economy around the world, even if they're spending less than the U.S., they're also not willing to spend more on healthcare. And so we have to come up with cost-effective models. And the good news is we can do that. So every service we look at, we say, how can we prove that we can reduce costs? And so whether it's a blood pressure cuff that is now cellular-enabled, that's now Amazon Alexa-enabled, that can talk to you, and that way, people don't have to go and see their physician and encounter that cost. They can check their blood pressure at home, and it can be beamed up to the cloud. We can ask them questions like, your blood pressure is higher. Are you taking your medications? They say, no, I'm not. Would you like us? Is that because you're out of them? Yes, I am. Will you voice authorize us to order more? Yes, I will. We'll have it shipped, and it'll be there tomorrow morning. Amazing. Um, via anyone who you're working with. That, again, is the future, and that's how you reduce cost. You save that visit. You keep people healthier. And we have great clients, self-insured employers like Target, who really get it, and they understand that it's a good business model to keep people healthy, and it costs you less. And so while a lot of people haven't been able to do preventive, and while we don't even believe in the wellness model, because there's no business model, what we're focused on is we need to drive healthcare that is measurable, sustainable, and can really improve and that people love. You know, people talk about engagement. I don't believe in engagement. Nobody has to engage us to use Google or to use, you know, Uber or anything. We use it because there's value. And in a similar way, we want to be so good that people use it because they see the value. And that's empowerment. Absolutely. So let's go over to another topic, which is around your IPO. 
over the What's summer. Your, IP, your, your, IPO, <laughs> your IPO over the summer, which, I mean, you, you uh, IPO'd around the same time as Health Catalyst, which, I mean, you got mm-hmm. a lot of publicity around that, that period. And you were one of the few companies that have actually been able to cross that threshold. So what was that experience like? Was, was it the first company you've taken public yourself? And, and how was that from a digital health perspective to actually yeah. get through that? Well, I've been, I've been fortunate to take three different companies okay. public. So, right. so that wasn't my first rodeo from that perspective. That said, everyone is unique. Everyone is different. We had the largest consumer digital health IPO ever done. Mm-hmm. So that was good. We raised about $400 million. And you know, that said, I always say two things to our people. One, the best day of being a public company is the day you go public. And the reason for that is, and people say, well, why do you say that? Because that day you get hundreds, maybe thousands of new bosses. Every one of them thinks they know how to run the company better than you do. And some might, but they all want to tell you about that. You have a whole series of new requirements and reporting relationships and the like. Lots of transparency, which is very good, but it also opens you up to lots of discussions. So there's an overhead of being public. That's number one. And number two, the stock can move independent. The president can tweet something and the stock goes down or goes up. Right now, we started off with amazing fanfare, and then IPOs all of a sudden, through no doing of our own, went out of favor. And people said, you know what? There's instability in the economy. And even though we reported year-over-year revenues up 156%, total contract value up 200%, member numbers up, everything we said we'd do, and we raised guidance, and our stock was down something like 17%. And so you can do everything right and your stock still goes down. So we said to our people, celebrate today, enjoy the day. It's a special moment in the company's history. And tomorrow we go back and we focus on our members and how we make it easier for them to stay healthy. So we took a very kind of mature approach to the IPO. Some people would say we're more careful now that we have all this money in the bank with our spending than we were before, and we were pretty stingy before. Got a lot more Uh, bosses. So um, that said, but we think it's a good way to run the company. So from that perspective, now, the IPO is really important for us because today an IPO is a branding event. We're dealing with the largest companies in the world, almost 25% of the Fortune 500 They want to see a company that's transparent, that's well-capitalized. So from that perspective, so we wanted to establish the category. And our category is different. We're different than anyone else. And that's actually been a little bit of a challenge because in the public market, the question is, well, what are your comps? Are you a coaching company? No, but we do have coaches. Are you a device company? No, but we have very innovative devices. Are you a digital health company and data science company? No, but we're really good at data yeah, science. Yeah. So we've called this applied health signals, which is we take the health signals from your body and from a variety of other sources, and we apply them back. And we do the same thing that when Amazon says, I think you're going to like this book. And then you look and you say, I do like that book. Can you buy the book? Um, we're doing the same thing in health. We're saying, I think this solution is going to work for you. And then we A-B test it. And we see, does it work for you? And if it does, we give you more of it. And if it doesn't, we learn from that. And that flywheel of aggregating all the information, interpreting it to say, what does it mean? 
then applying it right back to you as the end user and then iterating to say, did it work? That flywheel of going back and forth is how the great internet companies, the great SaaS companies learn. And that's why we're so different. So everyone says, we want to be like Livongo. You know, we have a diet that there's people out there that say we have, you know, we have a system that actually cures diabetes. It's factually wrong. It doesn't work. It can't scale. And yet people, they want, they want to believe. And I want to believe too. But we have a system that actually works, and that's accounting for our consistent growth. So the applied health signals, how far does that go? Because there's lots of data you could bring in. You could bring in people's shopping patterns mm-hmm. and, and look at their grocery store basket and see what sort of food they're bringing home. You could look at their activity trackers. You could look at uh, their cars and like how they're driving and whether they're driving. There's lots of different things. You can even listen to voice and, yeah. and do diagnostics on people's voice early onset of Parkinson's yeah. or, or cardiovascular issues that can be detected through voice and also facial recognition. Yeah. You know, that was something that came out around iPhones about yeah. the fact that it's reading people's faces and then there's lots of studies. And people got work. nervous about that. Well, there's lots of work being done in uh, you know some of the universities that you've attended yeah. <laughs> that, that are focused on being able to make diagnoses, mental health diagnoses, mood and interpretation, all these different things just based off of a snapshot or a reading yeah. of a person's expression. So, I, so where does I, it go? I think How far does it go? The question is it goes wherever it needs to go. In other words, Whatever data we're getting, we're getting data from a continuous glucose monitor. If that's helpful, then we'll use it. If it's not, it gets thrown out. If we're getting data from pharmacy benefit managers, from you know what meds you're using. Now, if the data says you're not picking up your medications, that's very useful data. If the data says you are, then you're just baseline and we can't really use it to change behavior. So whatever data, the beauty of the model is it's a learning-based model. So it will A-B test and say what data makes sense and what data doesn't make sense. And then whatever makes sense, we'll use. And that's the same thing that, again, Netflix uses to figure out what movies do you like. So we're going to use whatever data we need. But, you know, a lot of people have talked about AI. And they really, AI hasn't really worked in healthcare. And the reason that it hasn't worked is it's only half of the equation. If you get all this great data, but you don't apply it and see if it works in the real world, then it's no good to you. You might as well not gather it. And I think that's what happened with IBM Watson. Great on aggregating data, great on interpreting that data. What they didn't do was apply it because they didn't control the end user and they didn't have that interface. And we know real time, does it work? Does it not work? Did it change behavior? And at the end of the day, that's what drives things. And a lot of people get nervous about data sharing. However, you mentioned the examples of uh, cars and Amazon. When those recommendations help you, when exactly. when, when Google Maps anticipates this, is, is this where you want to go? Or we see where you're going and we actually have a better way for you to get there. We're happy for that data to exist and be shared because it's helping make our lives easier. And exactly. I think what people haven't seen yet, but you're helping to change that, is they're starting to see how that information can actually help them make better decisions. Yeah, you know, buying a low sodium version of their baked beans or whatever it might be, because it's being right. they're being nudged in these different things because they're able to see the impact of these things and then realize actually these sorts of minor changes, getting out of the train to stop earlier, yeah. uh, or, yeah. or you know parking further away from uh, the the people shopping mall. People want to know what works. Yeah. And if we give them that information, we put them in charge, they're going to make the right decisions. Yep. And that's why we think putting the consumer in charge, you know, at 7Wire, you mentioned 7Wire Ventures, our venture firm, we call it the informed, connected health consumer. The more we give you information, 
the more we connect, not just you to the internet, but the internet to you. The more we focus on health and not just health care, but health, how do we keep you healthy? And last but not least, the more we treat you like a consumer, the better everything's going to get. My last question for you is around the growth of the company. So you're tackling a huge problem, a huge problem in America, huge problem globally. Yes. You're, you've gone public in the U.S. You've got a great product that's readily available across the 50 states. What are your growth uh, expectations internationally, and what should we look for as you bring the products and services into other markets? Well, we're over here in Berlin, okay. um, and we're talking to a variety of people. As you mentioned, there is demand all around the world. In 10 years, India and China will have more people with diabetes than we have people in the United States. So, and that's just diabetes. That's not hypertension. That's not behavioral health. That's not weight management. And we know those are all, all the chronic conditions and new ones that we haven't tackled yet. So that's what's happening around the world today. And we're getting pulled. People are saying we need Livongo in many other countries around the world. So that said, what we can tell you for sure is, one, we're going to focus on member experience, making sure wherever we are, starting in the United States, that the member experience remains top-notch, that people actually love what we do. And then where it makes sense, we will find partners around the world to extend Livongo services to those other markets. But it's clear there's huge demand. And now it's really a function of how do we balance the growth in the U.S., with growth all around the rest of the world. But that is our intention. There's no question about it, which is this is a worldwide problem and we expect to be the solution around the world. And we expect to create a new kind of healthcare experience that feels like everything else we do in our life that puts the consumer back in charge, that empowers health consumers to live better and healthier lives. I want so badly to press you on that, but Glenn, I know you're a publicly traded company <laughs> now, and I, and I know I'm not going to get very far if I try to press you on some deliverables and dates, but I think you're doing exactly right. I mean, when I've worked with companies that want to scale internationally, the best advice is to be pulled in mm -hmm. rather than try to go over and put forward an army and say, go take that market on. It's great when you've got something that people want and they're asking for you to come and that's help right. their, them solve their problems. So I think that's great. I'd love to help however I can. I believe in what you're doing. So uh, well, anything that you. we can do to engage our audience, anything you want to say about what sure. you're looking for, well, about look, how they I, can engage? I think any time that right now, you know, our products, the Livongo offerings are primarily available through large self-insured employers and through some of the more innovative health services companies, health plans and PBMs. But if you don't have it and you know someone with diabetes that you love and you care about, they should be asking their head of human resources, their people, officers and the like, you know, when do we get Livongo? And the reason is not just self-serving. We have, and we know that the more we create this community, the more information we get. We already have the largest database of near real-time diabetes information in the world, but the bigger that gets, the better it gets. You remember years ago when you used to have to go to page three of your Google search to find what you need. And now page two is the loneliest place in the world page two of a Google search. No one ever gets there because they know what you want. Right. They do that through more data. And so similarly, the more data we get, the better it works, the better we can keep people healthy. So I think people have to demand 24 by seven, better healthcare. They have to say strips shouldn't cost anything. Our strips are free. All of that needs to be 
driven by the consumers. That's uh, that's who's going to change healthcare, not the government, not payers, not employers. It's consumers demanding the same level of care that they get everywhere else in the economy. You've built a great product, great company, and great solution. I look forward to seeing your continued success, and not just from like the federal uh, benefits program you've just announced, but also similar programs that have equally stringent requirements about who they work with. I, I'm sure there are lots of organizations around the globe, including where I live with the NHS, that are keeping their eyes on solutions like that and contracts like that to see how they can help lower their right. costs and treat people better. So wish you a lot of success. Anything else you want to say to the audience before no, I let you go? No, just look, we, we are indebted to our members who we value. And uh, like you, it's a very personal thing to me. My son has type one. My mother had type two. I have many friends. About a third of our employees in the company have either a chronic condition themselves or a family member who does. So this is very personal to us. And uh, you know, people aren't going to work harder. And they aren't going to care more than Lavongo does in terms of helping to focus on creating the kind of experience that our members deserve. So thank you to our members. Thank you to our great Lavago team members. And thanks for the interview today. Excellent. Thanks, thanks. a lot, Glenn. That was Glenn Tallman, executive chairman and founder of Lavongo Health, philanthropist, entrepreneur, and father of three. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find out more about Lavongo and the work they're doing by visiting lavongo.com. Don't forget that you can find our show as well as many other excellent podcasts on the brand new Health Podcast Network. You can get there by going to healthpodcastnetwork.com. The conversation doesn't need to end here. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, you can find me on email at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com or on Twitter at healthtechdan. That's all for me for now. Until next time, keep on innovating. Innovating.